Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Do not, do not, I repeat, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday. And we have got a lot on the docket tonight. So let's get busy. On that note, please put your seat backs forward. Your tray table's upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. I'm coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Eric Kemp, my man Bobo, and Brian Fenley on the updates as they will man the ship from our Los Angeles compound, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Man, we've got all kinds of NFL draft stuff still later in the show. An update on Trevor Bauer. News about Christmas Day, the NFL on Amazon, the Savannah Bananas, and even some way too early hot takes on college football. That plus, of course, in the final hour, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name? But first, yes, it's time. It is time. They earned it. It is time to give a proper or rather an improper burial for the comedic stylings known as the Brooklyn Nets. And I'd like to thank the irrepressible, uncontrollable, nauseating, annoying, infuriating, frustrating, maddening, irritating Brooklyn Nets for participating in the 2022 NBA season. As Judge Schmales would say, you get nothing and like it. The Brooklyn Nets were prohibitive preseason favorites to win the NBA title. 
As a matter of fact, they're the first preseason favorite since 1985 to not even win a single playoff game. Rest in peace, 2021-22 Brooklyn Nets. You were everything I thought you weren't and less. Please show yourselves out. You suck. You're messy. You're controversial. You're annoying. You talk too much. You're drama queens. And you failed spectacularly. But you made up for it by being theatrically underwhelming. And I meant every word I just said. How about a quick recap for full context? Brooklyn started the season with three, quote, superstars, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. After finishing the 2021 season, frankly, a toe length away from eliminating the eventual NBA champion. They were the clear betting favorite to win the NBA Finals this year. Then two weeks before the season began, Kyrie Irving confirmed he was not vaccinated against COVID-19. Now, that was, of course, in direct conflict with New York City and their vaccine mandate. What does that mean? Oh, no big deal. He'd only miss 53 total games this season, and he wouldn't be able to play home games till late March. How'd that work out? By the way, the situation soured further when James Harden requested a trade midseason. The team traded him to Philadelphia in exchange for the package headline by Ben Simmons, who never saw the court for Brooklyn the entire year. Andre Dummond, uh, Drummond, sorry, I like Andre. Seth Curry, they're nice guys, nice pieces. But the trade was a significant negative for the Brooklyn Nets in the short term. They faltered in the play-in tournament, ended up the number seven seed, drawing the number two Celtics. And when Boston won Monday, it was frankly sort of a stunning sweep. It was the first sweep of Kevin Durant's career. So... The Nets, they suddenly sit in, in a sea of confusion and chaos, in my opinion. There are questions heading into what I consider to be this a hugely consequential offseason. This is not working out like they planned it would be. Kyrie Irving said post-game Monday that he plans to return along with Durant. He indicated he expects... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to try to say this without laughing. He indicated he expects to be involved in front office decisions. Yeah, along with Durant. Now, Nets general manager Sean Marks and owner Joe Sy, I guess they'll be all part of the term, but, but he didn't, he didn't, Kyrie Irving never even mentioned Steve Nash, I don't think one time. Hmm. You remember, they said they really didn't need a coach. They could just kind of do it, you know, kind of like you do in, uh, what, uh, intramural softball? How'd that work out? It's also necessary to note that, remember, Kyrie Irving, a couple years ago, said publicly he'd like to re-sign with Boston before leaving in free agency that same offseason and doing the exact opposite. So where do the Brooklyn Nets go from here? I don't know, home, dinner, maybe a show? But first, reel me this, Batman. What happens with Kyrie Irving's pending free agency? Irving has a $36 million player option he can exercise next season, or he can decline and test free agency. Now, he did average 27 points and five assists in 29 regular season games. 29 games. Wow. So that's something, right? Irving's market, I think, is going to be diminished because of his refusal to get the vaccine. That led the Nets to sideline him for basically half the season before he did finally return part-time for road games, only until New York City changed its vaccine mandate in March. Again, how'd that work out? But with the salary cap increasing... Irving is actually eligible for a five-year extension worth roughly $250 million. 
Irving has said he plans to resign with the Nets and doesn't want to leave Kevin Durant. But after this circus of a season the team had and he had, does Brooklyn really want to give Kyrie Irving the full max? Seriously, how do you justify that? But there's another issue here. Will Kyrie Irving take anything less? He did shoot a career-high 42% from behind the arc this season. And he did, when he did play, he did average almost 38 minutes a game, which is a career-high. Okay, see, I'm, I'm fair. I'm not a total jerk about this. In part because the Nets needed him to win in the final weeks of the regular season so they could at least secure the top spot in the play-in tournament. That just slays me, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, as a part-time player, Irving looked, frankly, at times, he looked very good, almost brilliant. He scored a franchise record 60 points in Orlando back on March 15th, a week after dropping 50 at Charlotte. But the problem is he, Irving was really the epitome of inconsistency because of his schedule. His inconsistent schedule sometimes would create a full week in between games. And actually, the, the one side benefit of that was that you can't say that Irving wasn't well-rested. But when the mandate changed, Irving's play dropped off, meaning he could play home and away games, and understandably so. And, that, and his lack of production carried into the playoffs where Irving shot just 44% from the field. And that, combined with Durant's struggles, expedited the rest of the season. Good night, folks. And I give Boston a lot of credit. They put Durant in advice. They made everything. They increased the degree of difficulty for everything he did. There were no free catches in space. Every shot was contested. They wore the poor guy out. You're not going to see me bag on Durant. I think he's too good. Uh, he's stuck in a weird situation, and they, this is what they asked for. Be careful what you ask for. Again, I want to reiterate, Irving was quoted as saying, quote, I don't really plan on going anywhere. He said it last Monday. He says, when I say I'm here with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together. Of course, along with Joe Sy and Sean Marks, just our group of family members in our locker room and our organization. Yeah, you can you can decide what they bring to the picnic. Maybe potato salad, maybe a little macaroni salad. I don't know, maybe three bean salad, maybe a Waldorf salad. I don't know. Will Irving be flexible with his next contract? That's a real question. What if he isn't? A quarter of a billion dollars is a lot of money to give a player who's played. You ready for it? Wait for it. In the last three seasons, Kyrie Irving has played in a total of 103 games. You want to give this guy $250 million? All right, here's the second question. I said I had some questions. Will Steve Nash return? Now, look, I can hold two thoughts concurrently. In Nash's two years as head coach, he's had to deal with a lot of bad luck having to do with injuries. But I frankly, he hasn't done himself many favors, and I like Steve Nash. Nash had more than 35 different starting lineups in each of these seasons that he's been there. But his rotations, his decision-making, and his handling of injuries, fr frankly, could have been better. Nash is, he's only two years into a four-year contract, and because of the injury attrition that the Nets have been having to deal with, they haven't really yet reached a verdict on what, you know, Nash could maybe do with the full season of healthy stars. But I don't see them ever being healthy. I don't ever see them having the depth. I don't ever see Brooklyn having a top-ten defense. 
And unless you're Kobe and Shaq in 2002, you don't win an NBA championship with a 23rd-ranked defense or a 19th-ranked defense, which is what uh, Brooklyn was, respectively, in the last two years. But Steve Nash said he hopes to return, and he really has enjoyed coaching in Brooklyn. And at least Kevin Durant did endorse Nash getting another season. I know people have been critical of Steve Nash. I'm not one of them, okay? He's been dealt a crazy hand. He's had to deal with so much stuff as a head coach, and he's a first-time coach, but there's been trades, injuries, COVID, a lot of stuff. And frankly, he got high marks from Kevin Durant just in terms of how he treats the players and how he relates to the players. And by the way, in case you missed it, Steve Nash himself was a hell of a player, okay? So despite the numerous challenges that have been thrown at him, Nash has really kept a cool demeanor uh, throughout his tenure in Brooklyn. He kept a positive attitude. And, you know, but he's not experienced, right? Now, should the Nets, should Brooklyn move on from Nash? Well, that'd be their third coach since parting ways with Kenny Atkinson just back in 2020. Right? If not Nash, who? Right? Don't give me Greg Popovich or Mike Krzyzewski. Get get that out of here. They're not practical options. It's ridiculous. And Nash has some clout. He's got the ability to connect with Durant and Irving. And, by the way, Jay Wright, who coached Durant with Team USA and Olympics, he has no interest in taking an NBA job. He's going to enjoy his retirement, and there's a reason Phil Jackson and Pat Riley, they're held in such high esteem. They they handled and won big with their stars over the years. Jay Wright's in that category in college. There's no reason to cross over to the pros, okay? So I, I think it's at least better than 50-50 you see Nash. Now, one final thing, and this is the real elephant in the room. What is Ben Futures? Uh, come on. What is Ben Simmons' future with the Nets? Monday was supposed to mark Ben Simmons' long-anticipated Team debut. He had been ramping up from his herniated disc in his back. He was looking to play 10 to 15 minutes, even if they were going to get swept. Show some desire. I like Ben Simmons, man. I had a nice talk with him at the NBA Summer League four years ago. I don't know what's happening there, and I'm, I'm not going to try to practice psychology without a license that's against the law. But I think they just really want to be careful with Simmons, and there's a mental component. Ben has addressed it. There's a mental component. What he's going through Far be it for me to question that, but how much with where he's at and when can he get there? And as far as an organization, you know, there are going to be people that are going to support Ben. They want to help him. They want to get him, you know, physically back to where he can be a productive member on the court. They want to get the mental side straight. They're not separate. They're linked. They're not, you know, these aren't things that they don't want to have to deal with after the season starts. They want to get him ready so when he's ready to go. Ben Simmons has not played since the Eastern Conference semifinals in June of 2021. And the Nets will go into next season, frankly, without any indication of how he's going to fit alongside Irving and Durant. And Simmons has three years remaining on his deal, and he's, you know, he's also going to be extension eligible this summer, along with Joe Harris. By the way, I should mention, they really missed Joe Harris, I thought. Great three-point shooter. And I thought Seth Curry did a very serviceable job. Right, they're good, but they're going to be extension eligible too, and they'll be looking to get paid. But it's hard to see a discussion about, you know, with how many major roster changes you make without knowing what Ben Simmons is going to do. He's still one of the best defenders who can push the tempo offensively. He can contribute on the boards, but they need a healthy Ben Simmons. And if you try to gauge a possible trade for Simmons, that's almost impossible. It's extremely difficult because of his layoff, because of recent injury history. And it's hard to see the Nets getting any value back in return for him. So there you have it. I've given the Nets their proper, improper burial, and I didn't mince words. And they had it coming. 
because in sports, whatever city you're listening in tonight, wherever you're at, and you know what your home team is capable of in whatever sport, if you're a Red Wings fan, Detroit, the NHL, you, your expectations were not to win the Stanley Cup this year. So any port of the storm, you're going to get excited. Here in Las Vegas, they go to the Stanley Cup their first year. Year five, the Golden Knights don't make the playoffs. A lot of teeth gnashing because it's predicated on expectations, and they didn't meet those expectations. The expectations for the Brooklyn Nets are high. So as I joked earlier, where do they go from here? Home, dinner, maybe a show? I don't know. We're going to bring in the crew and get their thoughts because we have what I think a good wide range of opinions on this crew, and they will not mince words. Could Brooklyn come back and surprise everybody next year? Could they stay intact? Could they make an acquisition? Could Do they get a new coach to Steve Nash return? Does Ben Simmons finally figure it out? Because it seems potentially on paper that if this team could get on the court and play together, as opposed to only 103 games in the last three years for Kyrie Irving, or the fact that the big three never really played together that much, and they're not good defensively, the bottom line is, what do you do? What do you do on paper? You've got all this manpower and talent and show ponies, nothing to show for it. We'll get the crew's thoughts coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Yes, we'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Man, we're just getting started. And yeah, I said it. I'd like to thank the Brooklyn Nets for participating in the 2022 season. The irrepressible, uncontrollable, nauseating, annoying, infuriating, frustrating, maddening, irritating Brooklyn Nets. You failed spectacularly. But hope springs eternal. It's bringing the crew. What might you expect out of this team next year? Bobo, what are your thoughts about the Brooklyn Nets? They're the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Good night, folks. You've been a great audience. Pretty much. <laughs> like, I'm not expecting anything from them. They they need other piece. You don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do. He came yep. over there and hasn't done anything. He did all this offseason training, and we still don't know what that will produce in live, like, play-on-play on five-on-five. Play on five. We don't know what that's going to do. He's shooting threes, and it looked like he was hitting them, but when he gets on a court, are you going to produce the same thing? Like, it's – I'm not expecting anything from Brooklyn, but them having Kevin Durant and what crazy statement Kyrie Irving is going to say next season. Agree with all of that. Let's turn back the clock when James Harden was still there. I never believed in this team when it was Harden instead of Simmons. Um did you have any expectations before this season and you saw the circus take place? Because I didn't. But how, what were your expectations the last two years before Ben Simmons even got there? Oh, I thought they were going to the conference finals. That, that was easy because James Harden is a phenomenal player when he feels like playing. Kevin Durant, I've never seen him have an off game. Like, Kevin Durant is always on. And Kyrie is phenomenal. And they are three great players but you can clearly see it takes more than a super team to win a championship. Oh yeah, It takes a whole team. And 
If you don't believe him, ask the Lakers. They've tried it multiple times, and it doesn't happen. I just feel that James Harden James Harden just doesn't want to be the star player. James Harden just wants to kind of go under the radar, but I want to make the star player money. And I thought that they had chemistry. I, I guess I don't know they did they what they were going through, and he left. So, yeah. Well, this season, to be fair, when those three were on the floor, they were 13-3. and three. However, uh, I can't lie, and people can go back and find the podcast. The last two years, I never believed they would win for three reasons. I knew that they wouldn't all be available. There was going to be injuries. There was going to be missed games, and sure enough, there was. I didn't think they had the supporting cast and the depth, and when the playoffs roll around and the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, you got to do things besides be the Harlem Globetrotters. The third thing is, defensively, they've never ranked higher than 19th. And in the last 25 years, if you're not a top-10 defense, you're not winning an NBA championship. And 10 of those 23, five years, the NBA champion were top-5 defense. Brooklyn Nets, no. I I just – I'm not buying it. And you kind of hit the nail on the head there, uh, Bobo. We don't have any idea without Ben Simmons is going to do what Ben is going to do next year or how effective it will be. And the reason I, I say that is because we know now that Kyrie and Kevin can carry the load by themselves in a very jam-packed East. Brian Finley, what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn debacles? I mean, Nets. <laughs> yeah, Bernie, to your point about Ben Simmons, he reminds me of like a field goal kicker who missed a really tough field goal in a playoff scenario. And never has found a way mentally to overcome it. Clearly, there's stuff there, whatever you want to call it, that he's dealing with. But I just don't know if he has any sort of confidence, like a kicker who misses a big kick in the postseason and never is the same afterwards. But it really is the great letdown for this team. It's sort of like, Bernie, when you watch a trailer of a movie, you get really excited, you see the budget for the movie, and then you sit and you watch it, and you're like, they spent all that money to put and produce Waterworld, and that is what they showed? (laughs) And that's what it was, Bernie. Nothing against Kevin Costner, I'm sure. But I'm I'm with you. Waterworld kind of pretty much sucked. To be fair... Waterworld. That came out, let's see, 1997, 98? Did you like that? I loved Waterworld. I, I wanted another one. It just Fair enough. cost too Fair, much money. Fair enough. I like 16 candles. People beat me up over that. So I was well, going to. None. All right. This is all good. We're going to have to do this maybe a little later in the show. Um, all right. Good stuff, Good stuff, Brian. And to be fair... Um, Ben Simmons does have a fairly debilitating back injury, so that's part of the mix. Uh, Eric Kemp, what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn debacles? I mean, Nets. Well, Waterworld was actually in 95 and was around three hours long. So, I wasn't yeah, too far. Long. I wasn't too far off. I said 97. <laughs> that's, I mean, hey, uh, I would watch Waterworld rather than the Brooklyn Nets this year. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Um, honestly, they ha- they have a bunch of players that aren't playing like a team. They're looking out for their, themselves. And um, really, I don't think Ben Simmons is to blame. I was actually mentioning the Bobo between the break that, um, you know, if I was Ben Simmons in the playoffs, right, down 0-3 to a, you know, on-fire Boston Celtics team, would you really want to come back and try to put that pressure on yourself? Absolutely not. And so you have Kyrie Irving looking out for himself. You have Kevin Durant that just wants to win one with his best buddy. And then, you know, you have Ben Simmons that's also looking out for himself. So, honestly, they have a bunch of players, but they're not playing like a team. So, Brooklyn Debacles is actually a very fitting name, Bernie, and I uh, really wouldn't call them anything else. If you look at the teams that are 
that are moving on, okay, Boston and, and Milwaukee and such, these are teams constructed the right way where you've got role players and defenders uh, and uh, they have a, they're cohesive. I, I just don't think in the National Basketball Association you you put together a couple of show points. Look, I'm all over the map. One of the indelible images I can't get out of my mind is five years ago when the Oklahoma City Thunder were loaded and you had Harden and you had Durant and they had the Golden State Warriors down 3-1 to one and they couldn't close it. And, and you could tell the ball got heavy and they couldn't do it. Durant, you'll never hear me say a bad thing about. I think he's one of the most prolific players that ever suit up. He plays his ass off. And uh, he couldn't. He just couldn't beat Boston one on five. But be that as it may, I think we're in sort of a consensus here. Is in heading into next year, our expectations regarding the Brooklyn Nets aren't going to be there. So it'll be a different narrative. And I'm I'm sticking to my guns. Uh, I don't think Brooklyn will ever win a a championship with this composition of of players. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk about some of the first or some of what are perceived as the run one losers of the NFL draft. We've got to cover that, and we'll get to some NFL draft fast facts as well. There's so much that took place in the last 48 hours. I don't want you to miss out on any of it. But first, let's go to the man. Uh, I told him I was going to the ball game at the stadium, and he told me to bring a jacket even though it's uh, summer. And I said, why is that? And he says, because, Bernie, there's a fan in every seat. It's Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> Bernie, you're the guy that always shows up with a glove at a baseball game, even as an adult. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Who is this? No. Bernie, who is the same person, a, a grown up who wears a younger athlete jersey? Just, just a thought out there. You know, when when you see those, that's that's you just say to yourself, "Good for you guys." But. Let's dump or jump, either way, dump or jump, jump right into Major League Baseball. And what happened yesterday, the Tigers, in the final game to finish up, went into Dodger Stadium and they stood up the Dodgers 5-1. to one, And Evan Phillips, the L.A. relief pitcher, came in after Clayton Kershaw and made a mess of things. Three earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. The Rockies, by the way... Hold firm against the Reds, four to three, the final there. And Cincinnati, how do they figure out what's going wrong there? Three and eighteen on the season. The Phillies are winners against the Mets, four to one. The Giants overcome the Nationals, nine to three. And again, that NL West is so tough because San Francisco is fourteen and seven on the young year. The Yankees extend their winning ways to eight in a row after they blank the Royals three zip. The Marlins take a seventh straight after they sledgehammer the Mariners 3-1. The Brewers stiff the Cubs 9-1. Eric Lauer performing well on the mound with his 11 Ks, one earned run, pitched seven innings. The Padres had a lead going into the bottom of the 10th against the Pirates, a one-run lead, and then the Pirates tied it up and then Pittsburgh scores a game-winning run off an air in the bottom half of the frame. So Pittsburgh victorious 7-6. to six. And Bernie, on the topic of the NBA, we've got the two second-round series starting up 
in the association later on today in the NBA. The Bucks and Celtics converging for Game 1, tip-off 1 p.m. Eastern, and that will be followed by John Morant and the Grizzlies going up against Steph and Curry and the rest of the Warriors with that Game 1 at 3.30 Eastern. So basketball, but I can't find the Nets on the schedule. For some reason, I can't find them on the playoff schedule. I wonder why. I give up. Maybe they're all watching Waterworld. <laughs> yes. Maybe I need to go back and watch it. All right. Good stuff, Brian. Uh, look, one of the beautiful things about the uh, a draft is that the echo chamber of opinions, and you don't know if they're wrong until sometimes two or three years down the road. I talked about that at the top of the show at 11 o'clock uh, Pacific when I signed on. You know, initially, a grade could look like an A. Uh, that's your initial grade, but by your midterms, maybe it's a C. And, again, in the case of poor Ryan Leaf, he'd be the first to admit it, it became an F. But the Dallas Cowboys fans are nonplussed. Uh, they're actually feeling a little, little underwhelmed after the Cowboys picked Tulsa offensive lineman Tyler Smith at 24, even though he could start up or he could wind up as a starting guard in week one. But, see, the team has needs at other sort of sexier positions like wide receiver and pass rusher. And when you consider Dallas had success with CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons, I feel like Dallas fans are let down. And there's only two types of people in the world. Those who like the Dallas Cowboys and those who hate the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. So some people are probably glad and they're rooting for them to fail. Trust me, they're out there. Lamar Jackson, I think he probably doesn't feel real good about opening out of the draft because his reaction that sent – you know, regarding the trade that sent Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals midway through the first round, well, guess what? Uh, you know, you saw what he he tweeted out, and you and you know what it stands for. But there's still plenty to like about the Ravens' first round selections. They got a safety out of Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. I know he got hurt in the USC game, didn't play the rest of the year. I know he ran a very disappointing, uh, you know, force. I think a four six forty at the combine, something like that. But the man can play, okay, and he's a ball hawk. He also drafted a center, Tyler Linderbaum, who's a great athlete. I think he wrestled, played a bunch of different sports. And uh, I, I think the Ravens are a solid organization. You know, they didn't make a splash round one, but I think last year was an outlier for the Ravens. They got all those guys hurt in the preseason, and you're going to see them back. Hopefully Lamar Jackson, who I think is a very prolific quarterback, can just keep his head screwed on straight and lead that team because they have a higher ceiling that they've shown. Now, in the first round, I know Aaron Rodgers and all the Packers fans, when they all went to bed Thursday night, they were pissed. They were hoping for a receiver. Uh, six were taken. The Packers didn't take one of them. Uh, they they took a, a linebacker, uh, Quay Walker, at 22, and then they, they made it, you know, that was part of the trade from, or check that, they got that draft pick as part of the Devontae Adams trade. But by Friday, just two picks into round two, over 34, you got Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, and I think he's going to be very good. And Rodgers will make him better like he always does. And this guy's 6'4", runs great routes. He can take the top off of defense. I think, you know, 4'4", 40, that, you know, one of those guys. The Panthers are always taking some heat, always taking heat. Now, they drafted a, a left tackle uh, from, Car- from uh, I think he played at North Carolina State. His name is Ikim Ikwanyu. He's a left tackle, so he's your blindside guy. They took him a number six overall. They believe that was an ideal pick for them, right? Because when their turn came up 
and there were still plenty of other options for offensive players on the board. They felt that was very much a position of need and a, a situation where uh, they thought they had the best guy available for what they needed. The problem with the Panthers is you know you need a quarterback to win in this league, and I don't think Cam Newton, the old the Cam Newton from 2014, is walking through that door. That experiment worked for one game last year. So the Panthers have a quarterback position that's going to persist. And now Carolina has to decide if they really want to move on from, from or move forward with Sam Darnold or move on from Sam Darnold, or it'll be an interesting summer because these rumors still persist that they, they're going to try to reach out and acquire Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe even Baker Mayfield. And those guys don't exactly have robust trade value that would come back to the Niners, at least at this time, given their injuries and what they're making. But they're I, I both I know Jimmy Garoppolo can win in this league. They both actually won playoff games. And it, it, Baker Mayfield just needs to, to simmer down and not make so many stupid commercials. I, I've had it with those commercials. Focus on your craft. Get off of Twitter. And, you know, you have to. I think Baker Mayfield has been unfairly criticized in the sense that he really did come into town, change the culture in Cleveland. They improved. Expectations were through the roof. They didn't live up to those expectations. I remember they were a five-point favorite. Baker's year two opener against Cincinnati before Cincinnati was good, before they got Joe Burrow and lost outright. And that team was a disaster. I think they went seven and nine. They came back the following year in 2020, made the playoffs, uh, even won a playoff game. The problem is one of the other issues, too, is that, remember, Baker Mayfield was taken number one overall. And that when that hangs around your neck, it has a tendency to be an albatross because the dynamic of that, you just simply look different to the rest of the world. If Baker Mayfield had been in the second round, I don't think we'd have nearly be nearly the polarizing guy. He might be in his own way for his own reasons, but not necessarily. But because he was number one overall, you know, that's going to bring on a whole different set of circumstances and expectations. And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know that that's been good for him. Conversely, just switching gears ever so quickly, maybe a real blessing in disguise that Malik Willis didn't go till the third round. You know, one one quick thing. We've all heard about the great quarterback draft of 1983, and there was so much teeth gnashing when Dan Marino uh, was drafted. He was the sixth quarterback taken that year behind, obviously, guys like Jim Kelly, but guys like Kenny O'Brien, right? And what's interesting is Marino really benefited from that because he was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, who were a very good team. They happened to have been in the Super Bowl the year before. He also was coached by a guy who was sort of a quarterback whisperer before his time, even though he wasn't an offensive coordinator. That's Don Shula. So he had the benefit of going to Miami, team that had been in the Super Bowl, surrounded by a ton of talent, coached by Don Shula. And number three, there weren't, there weren't the expectations. He went out and lit it up in 83. Remember Mark Super Duper, Mark Clayton, Marino threw for a million yards. The rules were a lot different that year. Year number two, Marino got to the Super Bowl. So whereas the pressure on Baker Mayfield, the imposed pressure just from being number one will carry him through his career, will follow him through his career, you won't have the same thing for someone like a, a Malik Willis. I digress there. That was a quick non sequitur. Coming up, got some more NFL draft fast facts for you. Kind of the kind of minutia that you might impress people with if they're drunk and bored. All right. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto come to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Yes, we will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And yes, after 48 hours and 650,000 people gracing our streets, the 2022 NFL Draft, it's now in the history books. But here's a few fun facts. And by the way, remember, in the National Football League, the only players eligible for the draft are those who have been out of high school for at least three years, those who have used up their college uh, eligibility before the start of the next college football season. There are no one-and-dones in the NFL. You know what's interesting? You look far and wide. Uh, the These are players that were draft eligible. The biggest player that was draft eligible, a gentleman named Daniel Fillaly, and played for Minnesota, offensive tackle. Six foot eight, 390 pounds. Now, this is the same planet and the same sports. The smallest player in the draft a running back from uh, North Carolina A&T named Kishon Baker, five foot five, one hundred and seventy pounds. For the f- the mo- this is the most ever in NFL history. There were eight teams that had no picks in the first round. There were a total of two hundred and sixty-two picks this year. And by the way, for what it's worth, the draft's been around a while. It's been around since nineteen thirty-six. 
Back then, there were only nine rounds for nine teams. There were a pool of 90 players. 81 got drafted. Who incorporated? Who's responsible? Which NFL franchise is gets to take credit for originating the draft? That would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And what happened is the NFL expanded back in the 1930s. The Eagles had an owner by the name of Burt Bell who raised a significant problem with the owner-owners. His team didn't have enough money to compete for the best players. So he proposed a draft system that would help level the playing field, and voila, it was adopted. Just don't tell that to the Cleveland Browns or Detroit Lions. Never even been to a Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era. By the way, in the history of the NFL, which colleges sent the most players to the NFL? That would be Notre Dame. And of all, of all the colleges that send players to the NFL, Notre Dame is currently at the top of the all-time list. They've had over 520 players drafted. This is according to a website called drafthistory.com. You USC Trojan fans, take a bow. You're a close second with 516, but every school below is really way behind playing catch-up. Ohio State comes in at 473, even though I think they had like nine players drafted in this draft. Oklahoma at 402, Michigan, Alabama. They're down in the high 300s. By the way, almost every draft has produced at least one Hall of Famer, except for 1984 and 1992. Neither of those drafts, at least as of yet, have produced an NFL Hall of Famer. Well, of course, if you can get Tom Brady with the 199th pick, what's the real value of the first round? See, for the first 70 drafts, 15 of the players selected First overall, only 15 made it to the Hall of Fame. That's 20%. So I told you a couple weeks ago, this is an inexact science. This is an inexact art. We're looking at you, Trey Walker. You went number one overall. When you get to the Hall of Fame, it's no surprise every year. You get at least one Hall of Famer except for 1984 and 1992. By the way, the NFL, they're amazing. They managed to stay in the news. They managed to always have updates. Roger Goodell talked about it on stage with Tony Gonzalez. Uh, a week from next Thursday, May 12th, the NFL schedule will be announced. Now, most teams, well, you know who your team is playing. You know who you're going to be playing in your division, and you know who your non-division opponents are going to be. You just don't know when. You don't know if you're playing week one or week 12. You don't know if you're playing in a London game or a Munich game or what, where, whatever. And uh, you don't know if it's Monday night football or Thursday night football and all those things. Now, speaking of Thursday night football, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Al Michaels and his new $18 million deal. You will now, if you elect to watch Thursday night football, and you know you will be, you will now be watching it on Amazon Prime Video. And the first Thursday night football game, I think it's week two, well, actually, it's actually scheduled for September 15th, which will be week two, I believe. The Kansas City Chiefs will host the L.A. Chargers in the first ever Thursday night football game that will be shown on Amazon Prime Video. And again, this is something Roger Goodell just announced at the NFL Draft the other day. Market calendars, Thursday, September 15th, week two. See, Amazon, they have a hell of a deal with the NFL for Prime Video for the exclusive home of Thursday night football beginning this season. It's an 11-year agreement between these two uh, organizations, the NFL and Amazon. It marks the first time 
that NFL has sold an exclusive national rights package to a digital streaming service such as Amazon Prime Video. I'm, I think I think it'll be cool. Why not? Right? I mean, all Roger Goodell wants to make the NFL a twenty-five billion dollar industry, and I know Amazon pop up, you know, pointed up a fortune. Prime Video is going to actually carry fifteen Thursday night football games per year through the twenty. 32 seasons. You can mark your spot in the couch right now. You know you'll be on Thursday nights during the regular season. And by the way, not for nothing, the Amazon Prime Video streaming service will also air one preseason game per year, and it will that will be televised for free in certain participating teams' home markets. Again, I want to repeat, May 12th, week from Thursday, the complete Thursday night schedule will be announced as well as the complete NFL schedule. Speaking of schedules... Market calendars, Christmas Day. Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. The NFL will play three games on Christmas for the first time ever. This is going to be a holiday, of course, that falls on a Sunday. They're going head up straight with the NBA. There'll be two in the afternoon on CBS and Fox, followed by a primetime contest on NBC. There have been, by the way, there have been 24 NFL games played on Christmas Day in history, including two postseason games. And of course, I talked about this a couple months ago. The longest game in NFL history, December 25th, 1971, Kansas City, Miami. They played a total of 82 minutes and 40 seconds. Coming up, the Trevor Bauer situation just got real. I will explain. Don't miss this. This is Bernie Fratto, Fox Sports Sunday. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my crew, my man Bobo, Brian Finley on the updates, and Eric Kemp. All right, one of the biggest stories that broke this week uh, that is going to have legs for a while is the Trevor Bauer situation, and we're going to take a deep dive into that. And I, one of the th- things I want to address first is that this question keeps coming up. I hear it on the radio. I hear it over the uh, water cooler, if that's still a thing. People ask, how can baseball suspend him for two years if he was exonerated of the charges? Well, Major League Baseball reserves the right to mete out their own punishment if, after an investigation, the player is deemed to have violated baseball's domestic violence policy. So the commissioner's punishment is it's mutually exclusive from the player's fate in the criminal justice system. So whether or not there are no charges ever filed in the first place, or a player pleads guilty to a crime, or the player is found not guilty, or the player is convicted, makes no difference as to how baseball is going to treat that player under the policy. Now, it's important to note that under baseball's policy, an investigation doesn't even start until the matter is completed in the criminal justice system. So, as you saw, Trevor Bauer was suspended 324 games, and he's not getting credit for time served because he's been, you know, on leave. This means the soonest he would pitch is April of 2024, which means by then his Dodger contract will have expired. If he gets on the field then, he will not have pitched in three years. And look, there apparently have been new accusations that have come from other parties, allegedly. At least three that we know of. Some dating back to 2013, some dating back to 2017. And they all share similar accounts. A Bauer allegedly 
uh, punching them after and taking liberties while they were unconscious, okay? These are reports I've read. These are reports I've observed. I am not judge, jury, and executioner with Trevor Barr. What I'm trying to bring you is the latest of what we know based on best information we have. So on Friday, uh, Trevor Bauer, as you know, he received a two-year suspension for Major League Baseball for violating their domestic abuse policy. This is an incredibly significant penalty for a guy. I believe he's 31 years old. He's an elite pitcher. Clearly, his future in the game of baseball, as it stands right now, is under doubt. Now, there have been 15 players previously suspended under Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy, but none of them... Uh, contested the suspension. Bauer will will take this to the poll. He's appealed Major League Baseball suspension. He's ineligible to pitch until an arbitrator either upholds or reduces or perhaps overturns the league's ruling. Now, since Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association, they jointly agreed to a domestic violence policy back in 2015. Since then, the 15 players who were suspended they accepted or negotiated suspensions ranging in length anywhere from 15 to 162 games. So this 324 games is unprecedented. Now, Trevor Bauer has not even pitched since June of last year. And at that time, that's when a San Diego woman, she levied a sexual assault claim against him, and he was placed on administrative leave by Major League Baseball. He has been since July until April 29th, during which he did receive his salary. However... Now that he's in suspension mode under the domestic violence policy, he will not be paid. Bauer issued a statement, and I will quote his statement. He said, in the strongest possible terms, I deny committing any violation of the league's domestic violence and sexual assault policy. This was a statement released by Bauer's representatives. Quote, I'm appealing this action and expect to prevail. As we have said throughout this process, any, my representatives and I will we respect the confidentially, the confidentiality of the proceedings. Now, I tweeted out the other day, I said this story has multiple layers, and this is what I've learned. Again, there are potentially three accusers, not just one. Will there be more that will come out of the woodwork a la Deshaun Watson? I have no idea. But the, the, there's more than one now that's come out. And in a series of events that partially mirror the order that protection filed against Bauer in Pasadena earlier this year, the Washington Post actually reported that a woman alleged Bauer had choked her without her consent and injured her while they had sex in 2017 and then proceeded to send her threatening messages via text and social media. Now, the protective order that was obtained by the Post remained sealed while a police report detailing a 2017 incident in which the woman showed police injuries to her eyes has apparently been expunged. Now, at the time, Trevor Barr was 26. This was August of 2017, and he was pitching for the Cleveland Indians. Police were summoned to his apartment, according to the expunged police report that was obtained by the Washington Post. And the report says that Bauer complained the woman tried to physically harm him while the woman showed officers of injuries she said were sustained during a previous encounter with Trevor Bauer, including damage to her eyes as a result from choking her. 
Now, the woman was arrested for underage drinking, according to the police report. The Washington Post apparently also obtained photos of bruises the woman had that she said she sustained when he struck her without her consent during a 2018 encounter. Now, the following season in July, in July 2019, Cleveland traded Bauer to uh, Trevor Bauer to Cincinnati. And he actually seems like a distant memory, but Trevor Bauer won the National League Cy Young Award during the shortened 2020 COVID season. Now, this woman filed the protective order in June 2020, which, according again to the Washington Post, came after Bauer sent her threatening messages, including one stating, quote, I don't feel like spending time in jail for killing someone. And that's what would happen if I saw you again. Now, Trevor Bauer and his attorneys have denied these allegations. And Bauer tweeted a statement that said that the woman was, quote, creating a false narrative. And that she continued to contact him in subsequent years after the encounter in question. Now, a statement from Bauer's attorneys, their names are John Federoff and Rachel Luba, says the woman raised the specter of a protective order as a means to, quote, threaten and extort money from Mr. Bauer, demanding $3.4 million for her to remain silent. This is really a very highly charged situation on multiple levels. And by the way, Trevor Bauer is not taking this lying down. He is suing the woman who accused him of sexual assault last summer. Bauer is suing the woman who accused him, saying that she had one of her attorneys make false and malicious statements, this is a quote about him, and basically generated a media blitz based on lies. Now, Bauer announced the lawsuit, which was filed in the U.S. District Court. He announced it on social media that linked her complaint to his tweet, this, apparently just this last Monday afternoon. And Bauer has also sued The Athletic, the publication, for libel for its reporting on the women's petition for a protective order. Bauer has not pitched again since June of last year, and he's no longer on paid administrative leave. He's been issued a 324-game suspension. Now, Major League Baseball apparently has had enough of an investigation into these sexual assault allegations, and they have they have released their, you know, their... Rob Manfred has ruled on the matter, at least for now, right? The woman apparently did receive a temporary restraining order against Bauer when she initially made her allegations last June, saying that he had assaulted her over the course of two sexual encounters at Bauer's home in Pasadena. Bauer says that he and the woman engaged in consensual rough sex, but has denied any wrongdoing. As a matter of fact, in August, a Los Angeles Superior Court judge rescinded the restraining order. Because I, I guess there were multiple encounters. Well, I'm, I'm just a speculation on my part. And in February, the district attorney of L.A. County declined to bring criminal charges against Bauer. However, again, I said this earlier, Major League Baseball can issue punishments to players under its domestic violence or sexual assault, child abuse policy, even if the players aren't charged or convicted of a crime. The two are not mutually exclusive. Now, in the lawsuit... Trevor Bauer is alleging that the woman sought to destroy Mr. Bauer's reputation and baseball career. To garner attention for herself and extract millions of dollars from Mr. Bauer, 
He also alleges in the suit that the woman deleted photos and text messages and videos from her phone and that she misled Bauer on the court as to the reason why Bauer claims that the woman and her lawyers filtered images that were included with her petition for a restraining order to make it appear that she'd suffered gruesome injuries when she had not. That's a quote from Bauer's people. Somewhere in the middle lies the truth. These folks apparently had some sort of consensual relationship, and I'm not going to speculate on what happened, even though from the outside looking in, it just looks like it went too far, and there were injuries, and there were things happening without consent, or things happening while someone was unconscious. I don't know. I, I am not in moot court. I'm not interested in adjudicating this on the radio. But this is a big story, because it may set a different president. How do you go? 324 games. It's two years. He will have pitched for three years. His contract's going to expire. He'll be in his mid-30s. Will he ever play baseball again? Now, someone I talk to that I trust and like is of the opinion that Rob Manfred did this for the simple reason that a great many baseball fans are women. Women love to attend baseball games. They love to watch baseball on TV. I'm sorry, it is America's pastime. You pass the time during the summer. It's not as intensely... Focused on is football. People bet football. It's a one a week, once a week uh, love. You know, uh, one series of one night stands. And someone used to say baseball is a love affair. Women love baseball. It's it's handed down through generations. My friend thinks that, well, Rob Manfred makes this decision in part because he does not want this kind of image following baseball around. And if he doesn't deal harshly, it sends a message that he's partially enabling this, or not enabling it, that's totally not, that is absolutely the wrong characterization. But without taking swift and severe action, which he did, it would not for perhaps cast the game in the favorable light that he wants the game to be cast in. And it's pretty clear that baseball's had a rough couple of years with COVID and the, and the negotiations that didn't go well and multiple other things. So this is a situation that has so many layers and it's so emotionally charged, you almost don't know where to begin except you start with the fact that Trevor Bauer is A, suspended for two more years, won't get credit for time served, B, suing uh, this particular lady and suing the athletic. And he, I think, wants to clear his name. So I, I don't know where this goes, but I do know this. The story is just getting started. It's not over. We're going to bring in the crew in a second here, I want to get their thoughts. Will Trevor Bauer ever pitch again? If you're a Dodgers fan, I know, you know, Ryan Bershinger and Bo, they have their podcast, yeah, the Swing Shift. They're big Dodgers fans. Uh, I'm guessing they probably don't want to see Do Bauer in a Dodger uniform again. But with restraint of trade, do you ever see him in a Major League uniform again? This is a really, really tough one. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. A lot of stuff to get to. We are hot and heavy in the middle of the Trevor Bauer conversation. Real quickly, I want to read a tweet from Lou Riley. He said, suspending Bauer for two more years is so radical. Apparently some Southern California sports talk hosts believe that Major League Baseball has uncovered extremely damning evidence that the host 
hope will be revealed sooner or later. Well, I will tell you that if there is a lawsuit, Trevor Bauer has filed this lawsuit in discovery, these things can come out. And my guess is, yes, that Major League Baseball has more in their quiver than they're sharing right now because this decision was so swift and severe and unprecedented. All right, let's bring in the crew. You guys can take this anywhere you want. What your thoughts are about the punishment, what your thoughts about about Bauer's actions. Will he ever be a Dodger again? Will he ever be in the Major League Baseball again? Would you want him on your team? Would you want him on the Dodgers? Bobo, lead us off. I do not see him playing for the Dodgers ever again. Um, I just don't. I don't. I see. I think it's too much of a paparazzi situation now, of a pariah situation. I just. I don't know. I don't think that the two-year suspension. I don't know. It's a tough situation, man. I know I keep saying I don't know a lot, but it's really tough because you don't be, – not being there, you don't know what happened. It's pretty much hearsay. It's his word versus her word. And if, if he did it, then, of course, he needs to go to jail 100%. He needs to be prosecuted to the full, full extent of the law. But if it's literally proven that he did not do it – which it seems like the case was with yeah. the first case, I think two years is a bit extreme for yeah, a punishment. Yeah. That's one of the issues here. There there doesn't appear there will be criminal charges. He's not going to be convicted. Uh, but as I talked about, uh, the baseball domestic violence policy with respect to uh, Rob Manfred and, and, and their autonomy to suspend him, you know, irrespective of whether or not He's been convicted of a crime or even charged with a crime. Base- baseball acts independently. So um, dealing with the fact that apparently there's been a legal investigation already that's been fairly lengthy, and apparently I- I'm guessing, Bobo, that there, compared, there appeared to be at least the, the, the appearance of, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Contributory negligence on the lady's part? I don't know. She was a willing participant she was until wi- she wasn't. Now, yeah. I know, I, this is gonna, I know women that like rough, rough sex. Back in my single days, there were girls that I knew that were literally like, yo, like, they, I don't want to go into details because it says radio, but they do like rough sex from being choked to being slapped, whatever the case may be. And I think that this went too far. And yes. I think that it was like that from the beginning, I've always said, I think this was just a case of some rough sex that went overboard. And if that's the case, then, yeah, my dude, that's still considered that that's not consent. You went too far. But she continued to go back after yes. the first incident. Yes. So it's not like it happened one time and you'd never win again. It happened once and he literally has text messages of you saying, I want you to do this again. Well, I believe all that to be true. And one of the other uh, aspects of this is that there have been reports, there have been allegations, though, that after falling unconscious, there were liberties taken apparently by Trevor Bauer allegedly that crossed the line, and when they came, when the when the when the females came to, uh, that's where the trouble began. Be that as it may, so you don't believe he'll ever pitch for the Dodgers again? I no. think that's that's fair. I agree. You think he'll ever be in Major League Baseball again? I don't think anybody's going to take on that headache. It, it's going to be kind of like the Colin Kaepernick situation. Nobody wants the bad press for their for their you know ball club. No one's going to want to deal with that. You know, it's interesting. Just a quick parallel. It's a little bit of a reach, but 
So I was on radio back in 2009 in Detroit when Michael Vick went to jail, and he came out, and I was very much in his corner because he paid his debt to society, and I knew that he could still play quarterback, and he came back and played six more years and made a couple of Pro Bowls. And uh, I remember uh, Michael was in uh, Detroit in Thanksgiving 2006 when the Dolphins played. I had a chance to talk to him. Really, I was actually very impressed by Michael Vick. I like Michael Vick. Here's the here's the here's the book here's the chapter this book is missing trevor bauer uh will not this will apparently will not be adjudicated anymore from a criminal standpoint so i think the people looking in don't feel he's paid his debt to whatever that would have been uh so uh but i i I see what you're saying bobo in terms of teams that would take that on even though you know philadelphia eagles fans threatened to blockade the stadium animal rights activists look michael vick paid his debt and he's been a solid citizen and none of that ever really happened and he went back but i don't know that trevor bauer would have the same kind of uh what i would consider to be hall pass brian finley your thoughts i want to focus bernie on trevor bauer on social media and i don't think he does himself any favors good point he goes on offense go ahead yeah he goes on offense and then he turns himself into a target And then it's an easier way for more and more people to shower criticism on him for his actions. If I have anything to say about this, Bernie, it's that Trevor Bauer has to change the way he shows himself on social media because he's not winning over anybody by the way in which he's sort of braggadocious and just full of hubris and doesn't seem to have any semblance of regard for anybody but himself. No, your your characterization is accurate. Uh, the persona that Bauer has seemingly displayed on Twitter, um, there doesn't seem to be much contrition there. And in fact, he's he's been a little uh, aggressive so, but real quickly, do you think he ever pitches in the major leagues again? It's hard for me to say. I'm with I'm with Bobo about no Dodgers, but I'm not sure about the the never seeing him again. I think there's always going to be a chance. We've seen things happen with players in respective sports go through things off the court, off the field, whatnot, and come back after a year or two absence. So you never can say no, but I will say never a Dodger again. Eric Kemp, what are your thoughts on the matter? Definitely never a Dodger ever again. Um, it's, uh, I think, because of its taboo nature um, and, and subject, it's very difficult for such a, I guess, family-oriented organization with the Dodgers, um, especially for him to be ever to ever come back to that organization. Uh, but like Finley said, like um, I, we've seen people come back from, I would say, objectively worse situations um, and come back and uh, uh, play again at the professional level. So, um, am I ruling that out? I, not necessarily. What's troubling to me, though, is that we are constantly putting these human beings on display. They're in the public eye um, because of the nature of their job. Now, had this case been to some, you know, happened to somebody, um, you know, that's not in the public eye, that's, you know, behind closed doors, um, would it be as, I guess, confusing and and morally... um, 
kind of conflicting um, with what we're dealing right now. I think we as the public and consumers of media and sports um, sports media in general, we're constantly asked to face, uh, we're constantly faced with how do we separate the player um, and the, from the human being? And, and it's it's really tough. And, I'm, and that's why I'm glad that you brought up Michael Vick. It's, it's tough to kind of separate um, those two dynamics of a human being. All right, coming up, I'm going to bring the crew back in for one more very important question, and I'm going to give you a second to gather your thoughts, and the question will be simple. He's going to appeal his suspension. Will it be overturned? Will it be upheld for the full 324? Or will it be reduced? I want to hear your thoughts on that. But first, let's go to the man. Well, he's got the only update in the business. It's guaranteed not to break, bend, rust, bust, bite the dust, chip, crack, or peel. That would be Brian Finley with the latest. Oh, thank you so much, Bernie. And let's take a look at what happened in Major League Baseball yesterday. The Dodgers melted home as they face plant 5-1. to one. The Tigers are victorious. Now, Dodgers starting pitcher Clayton Kershaw in the ballgame passed Don Sutton to become the Dodgers' all-time leader in strikeouts. That was all fine and dandy, but as soon as he left the game and they brought in the relief pitcher Evan Phillips, things went sideways for L.A. because Phillips, in two-thirds of an inning of work, gave up three earned runs. The Rockies put up four runs in a 4-3 win against the Reds as Cincinnati now falling into the abyss of 3-18 and on the season. The Phillies fluster the Mets 4-1. Kyle Schwarber coming up with a clutch hit in the seventh inning, a two-run home run. The Giants are winners against the Nationals 9-3, so such a tough NL West. You've got San Francisco over 500. The same for the Rockies. The Padres as well, but they could not hold on to a lead in the 10th inning. The Pirates storming back in the bottom half of the 10th and went at 7-6, and it all ended when Pittsburgh scored a game-winning run off the air. The Brewers fluster the Cubs 9-1, and Milwaukee hurler Eric Lauer was nearly unhittable. 11 strikeouts, one earned run in seven innings. The Marlins have won seven straight after they put the Mariners in their place, 3-1. to one, And the Yankees extend their winning streak to eight games after they silenced the Royals, 3-0. to zip. And, of course, for the NBA fans out there, later on today we'll kick off two game ones of our second-round series. And out of the Eastern Conference, it's the Bucks and Celtics game one tip-off at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then the Grizzlies and Warriors will converge out of the West, game one. 3.30 Eastern. Bernie, as I send it back to you, when I was working in Memphis covering the Grizzlies for a local TV station, it was the Grizzlies and the Warriors. And this was, I believe, 2015. The Grizzlies had, and that was back when the grit and grind years, they were up in the series. And then you thought, oh my goodness, could they really beat Steph Curry and Draymond Green? And then Draymond Green and Steph Curry and the rest of the guys they come back and win the thing. But yeah. It was interesting. It made it for a six-game series. I think Memphis went up 2-1, and then it was all Golden State after that. Yeah, Golden State won it all in 2015. Yeah. They beat LeBron and company, and that's when Kyrie was in Cleveland. He was having a good series. He got hurt. The last thing you saw was the Fred Sanford walk leaving the floor, and Cleveland was cooked. Matthew Della Vadova played a hell of a series the following year in 2016, of course. 
Cleveland came back and uh, and paid the Golden State Warriors back. But I digress. Let's go back around the room. All right. By the way, let me just set this up real quickly because people have asked, and in case you missed it earlier, um, people have asked, how can baseball suspend Trevor Bauer for two years if he was exonerated of the charges? And it's because Major League Baseball reserves the right to mete out their own punishment if after an investigation the players deemed to have violated baseball's domestic violence policy. So Rob Manfred has total power here. His punishment is mutually exclusive from whatever happens in the criminal justice system. And so, uh, you know, they don't baseball didn't begin their their investigation until the criminal justice system completed theirs and swift and sure. Wow. Two years, 324 games, no credit for time served. The sooner, the soonest Bauer could pitch would be April of 2024. He will have missed three years. His Dodger contract will have expired. And other than that, how was your day? Bobo, what's going to happen? Will the suspension be held up all 324? Could it be overturned or somewhere in the middle gets reduced? It's going to get reduced. I I think it's going to get reduced to maybe a year. And I think he's going to try to appeal that one, but he's going to be suspended. Um, like you said, they, MLB has their own standards and their own rules, and if they feel something was wrong, they're going to uphold it. I think two years is a stretch, but I do think it's going to get reduced. It, it seems like uh, that's what I would consider to be what I would call my knee-jerk reaction in the sense of this is so unprecedented and no credit for time served. It will actually an effective have been a three-year suspension when you when you get right around to it. So I, I'm I'm kind of in agreement with you. The concern here is the allegations from as many as three other uh, females who have stepped forward, apparently based on a report from the Washington Post, one from 2013, one from 2017. Their accounts are similar. They were punched. Liberties were taken while they were unconscious. Not a pretty picture. Uh, Brian Finley, will it be reduced? Full suspension, or could it be overturned? I don't think it's going to be overturned, but I think more often than not, Bernie, and I know that every case is different, but when you have an incident off the field, off the court, and you have a certain suspension and a time frame put out there, is it just me, Bernie, or does it seem that the majority of the time, whatever punishment gets reduced? And I'm with Bobo. I think you go to a year. And then I think you open up the door for his return. Well, if you look at the other 15 players, uh, you know, uh, since the policy was established in the CBA in 2015, there's been some kind of agreement. Okay, this is the one with the heavy appeal. So, yeah, it seems to me uh, that it's certainly uh, on the table for uh, – for there to be a reduction or, or something lesser while still being pretty severe. Uh, Eric uh, Kemp, your thoughts? I mean, that's a big if, if there's going to be a reduction. Um, so uh, hypothetically, if that does happen, I do agree it would be around a year. Um, but then to your point, Bernie, like, yeah, it's a year. It would be this year, but then a year after that. So really we're looking at two years of Trevor Bauer not pitching um, at the MLB level. So, you also got to think, well, he's got to, you know, think about every other pitcher that needs to come back from an injury or something like that. Or even just coming back in general, you got to you got to do all those rehab starts, AAA starts, warm up. It's, it's going to be a while um, until we see Trevor Bauer on a mound, if at all. 
Well, and the other, you know, the elephant in the room here is even if the suspension was lifted, what city is going to take that on? Maybe the Dodgers vitiate his contract. I don't know. If, you know, what termination clauses are in in uh, in, in, in uh, Trevor Bauer's contract with the Dodgers. So this is a story we're going to be watching because, I think as Brian mentioned, uh, Bauer's out there, and I think he's going to continue to probably update us on Twitter. I think there will be press releases. I think there will be other newspaper accounts. And if other women come forward, if these three that apparently who have come forward have anything more to say, we're going to hear about it. This is not a story that's going away. This is an elite pitcher who won a Cy Young, who's in the prime of his career, who had a $102 million contract, yet, you know, one could, one could say, well, did he bring this on himself? Yeah, okay, sure, fair enough. But that's why this story is so convoluted. I have an idea. If I were commissioner, what I think I would do is call uh, Trevor Bauer in and look him in the eye and say, you got a choice. You can be suspended for two years, or you got to get Brooklyn Nets season tickets for two years. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that would be a tough one. Next thing you know, you'd see him uh, at uh, he'd stay. He, he said, I, I think I'll just take the suspension. I can't stand to look at the Brooklyn Nets. If I if I stepped on the Brooklyn Nets neck enough yet tonight, probably not. But I don't know if I'll do it anymore. We got too much other stuff to get to, including coming up. Actually, a couple of baseball newsworthy items that are on the lighter side. And good news for the game. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. In about 14 minutes, we bring you the dance sensation sweep in the nation. That, of course, is what kind of brand new fool are you? That'll be followed by what my name. Still got a lot of things to get to in the show. And while the Trevor Bauer situation is an unhappy event for baseball, there are actually some happy events. Uh, just a, by the way, quick update. You know, this is the first year that baseball has used the universal DH for every game. Of course, ever since interleague play was adopted in 1997 in the National League, uh, when a National League team would visit an American League ballpark, you would play in the American League rules. But now, pitchers don't hit anymore, right? So according to Axio Sports, it turns out, well, yeah, I guess professional hitters are a lot better in hitting than professional pitchers. So we're... About four weeks into the universal designated hitter era, National League DHs, well, they're actually batting 248 with 33 home runs and 141 RBIs. Now, compare that to last year when Major League pitchers in their swan song last hurrah season when they came to the plate. National League pitchers last year in the month of April hit an anemic 108, but still managed 14 home runs for the season. Okay, DHs hit 33 home runs just in April. By the way, since 1973, when the AL first implemented the DH, pitchers have never batted above 165, and that goes back almost 50 years, 108. Uh, this year's, or check that, last year's 108 cumulative batting average was, was the lowest. So there you have it. The universal DH is putting a little bit more offense into the game, even though baseball scoring is a little down because there's rumors that they're using a little bit of a lighter baseball and they're Captain Humidors, I don't know. A lot of balls, it seemed like they were flying out of the park and landing in, on, on the warning track now. Speaking of pitching, this is way cool. Okay, first of all, let me set this up. I uh, talked about a team th- two or three months ago on the show called the Savannah Bananas because their their founder and owner, a guy by the name of Jesse Cole, who I have made contact with, who I'm going to have on the show later this summer. He's this generation's Bill Veck. He has created incredible entertainment. The, their ballpark and their team, the Savannah Bananas, have been featured on, on multiple channels and cable networks, including ESPN and Entrepreneur Magazine. He uh, He's the founder, Jesse Cole, of Fans First Entertainment. He owns the Savannah Bananas. The Savannah Bananas are a baseball team based in savannah georgia they compete in what's called the coastal plain league in the west division and the team has been i don't know been around six or seven years but what jesse cole has done is is taken this and made it an incredible event uh and and it's it's so entertaining and you can you can find their their feature on on youtube it's about seven minutes and they play a very very unique style of baseball and recently, before this season started, they had a tryout. And they had 90 players show up for their tryout, including 75-year-old Hall of Famer Bill Lee. Yes, that Bill Lee. Bill Spaceman Lee, who you 
may remember, was not only an all-star multiple times, he pitched more than a decade for the Red Sox and pitched for the Montreal Expos. And he's left-handed, and he's 75 years old now, and he's playing against guys that are a third of his age. He made the team, but he didn't just make the team, all right? He appeared in a game and threw an inning of shutout ball. Well, I think it's been about three or four weeks now. And it just it, that he didn't do that. He actually went out to the mound with a beer in his hands. He did do things a little different there. This is truly like the Ringling Brothers, Ringling Brothers uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus. The Savannah Bananas, they're a unicorn, okay? In the world of baseball, they're a team that creates a fan experience built on having fun, enjoying the absurd, the walk-up music, the players can dance, they can, they can choreograph. And what was crazy is a few Tuesday nights ago, it was almost inconceivable. Bill, Bill Lee, Bill Spaceman Lee, and if you... If you don't remember Bill Space Bentley or don't know about him, he was one of the all-time baseball characters. Uh, very verbose, really kind of an oddball thinker. You wonder what's going on in his brain. I remember years ago um, when AstroTurf was the rage and probably in half the Major League Baseball stadiums, they asked Bill Lee once, Bill, do you pitch better on turf or do you pitch better on grass? He looked at the reporter with a straight face and says, I don't know, I've never smoked turf. That was Bill Lee. He is hilarious. Um, he's also kind of absurd, but he sort of ambled down onto the field with a beer in his hand, and he threw a, a couple of EFIS pitches. He even struck out a guy. He struck out a guy, 75 years old, and now he's making cameo appearances, and the, really the... The Savannah Bananas are guys who've been in the minor leagues and, and kind of, you know, reached their pinnacle. And a lot of the guys have been drafted. Bill Lee can, says it's close to double-A baseball, which, by the way, double-A baseball is, is, is very good, okay? Now, if you're looking for a traditional nine-inning game American pastime, you know, you don't go to a Savannah Bananas game. There are There is craziness there. If a foul ball is caught by a fan, the batter's out. There's no walks. There's no bunts. And Jesse Cole, who is really this generation's Bill Veck, and he might, you know, draw the ire of certain baseball traditionalists, but I'm not one of them because the fans truly go bananas. They've had 160 consecutive sellouts since 2016. They're gaining a ton of popularity. And this guy's a real character. We are we are going to have him on this show uh, later in the summer. So, just to think that a 75-year-old guy, a Bill Lee, who's now wearing number 29, you got to Google it and look at these pictures, actually competing for real. I mean, he's a crafty 75-year-old who's been in the major leagues, right, who's had success in the major leagues. The long and the short of it is, here's a guy who's won 120 games in his career, 3.6 ERA, but 75 years old, he's actually striking out minor league players. I thought that was really cool to hear about and see. Billy is not a fool. He is cool. The Savannah Bananas are cool. And you'll be hearing more about them because they're a real story in a sport that needs good stories. Coming up, yes, sir, it's that time. What kind of brand new fool are you? Keep it locked. This is Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. 
The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. Three down, one to go. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Lots of stuff to get to as we will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And this is the time of show. Yes, America perks up. It's the dance sensation sweeping the nation. Because every day across America and even across the globe, from sea to shining sea, somebody does something so stupid that we affectionately refer to it as, What kind of brand new fool are you? What kind of fool? What kind of brand new fool are you? That's right. And I thought I, the one I shared last week had taken the cake about the thief who broke in and was snorting cocaine, except it really wasn't cocaine. It was the ashes in someone's urn. But I digress. That was last week. This is this week. We take you to the great state of Texas and Houston, Texas in particular, in particular, where we introduce you. To Kevin Welchell, he's a high school teacher at Klein High School in Houston, Texas. Recently, while his students were taking a test, Kevin was staring at his laptop very intently. Unfortunately, he was watching porn in class while his high school students were taking a test. Now, the laptop was facing him, so even though his actions were ridiculous, you have to wonder, well... How did he get outed? It's real simple. Because he forgot to turn off the overhead screen and the overhead projector that you all remember you used to see when you were in school while he was using that same projector to project class lessons. This was a different type of lesson. Not a good one. The reality, the students saw everything. Kevin Welchel has now lost his job. He's lost his pension. He's even facing criminal charges and could even face a year in jail. Kevin Welchel, watching porn in high school, in a high school class, and he's the teacher from his laptop being projected over a bit on a projector. Kevin Welchel, what kind of brand new fool are you? Bobo, you're up, my man. Ooh, um, there's a lot of fools in the world. Uh, you know, this one family particularly stands out to me. <laughs> there was an American family that was on their way, I believe, home back to the States, leaving uh, Israel. Uh-huh. And they tried to take an old bomb that hadn't went off through security. Oof. So, Oof. Not, not a gun, a bomb, like an actual Oof. shell from a ship that did not blow up. They were going to try to take it home as a souvenir. Yeah. I'm guessing that didn't work out too well. No, the whole airport panicked. It was people ducking for cover and hiding and everything. You know, you hear word bomb and everybody in the airport and everybody just panicked. Oh, my God. So, yeah, there's there some idiots. Uh, yes, apparently, sir. the story says it's from uh, uh, Golan Heights from Syria in the 1967 war. A lot of fighting and an old relic, bombing. yeah. yeah Seven relic. day war, yeah. yeah. And they found the shell and were trying to bring it home. Unreal. I guess we can only draw the conclusion if you had that bomb, what kind of brand new fool are you? All right, good stuff, Bobo. Brian Finley. Yeah, Bernie, you in Vegas, you know the term. We all do. Don't show your hand. You don't want anybody to know what you're working with when you're 
at the table and you got your cards in front of you. Well, the Phoenix Suns, they did not want to show their hand as far as the health of Devin Booker as he was coming off the injury. And they in the Suns fined $25,000 for not being transparent in Booker's injury status for game six in the first round against the Pelicans, which Bernie is interesting because people don't realize how much of the betting is involved in this. And when you as a team are trying to be slick, trying to be conniving, you actually totally ruin it and are a fool because you got companies like DraftKings and FanDuel and they're relying on honesty from these professional organizations as far as injury reports because it comes down to the integrity of, of betting. So by the Suns being a little bit foolish in failing to disclose the actual injury in time, to give the Pelicans and the and the betting groups time to, to make their said calls, they ended up having to cough up $25,000. Yeah. Transparency is big. And uh, if someone has an information uh, that could affect the betting markets and compromise the integrity, uh, frowned upon. So I guess you have to include what, Brian? What kind of brand new fool? Yeah. In these situations. All right. Eric Kemp, you're next. Bernie, have you ever been married or are you married? Yes, I'm married. Well, wonderful, wonderful. And the wedding ceremony, I imagine, was the time of your life, yes? There was alcohol involved. You were elated. You were you were high on life, as one would say. Well, this, <laughs> well this one woman in Florida decided, well, why not share that wealth? So, woman in Florida, Danya Svoboda, and her caterer, Joycelyn Bryant. I'm doing my best here with the names here. Uh, if you read them, it, you, would, you would feel my pain. But they decide to spike the bread and oil with weed, with marijuana, Ooh. at their wedding. At the wedding. It was, it was, it's interesting. And, of course, this would only happen in Florida. The husband was left out of it. He knew nothing of it. But apparently, yes, uh, the um, green herb mixture was mixed into the olive oil for the bread, which was then shared and eaten by many guests there. Sounds like a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, how just the hell do you, How the hell do you get the devil's lettuce inside that bread, man? Well, I mean, I don't know if it was in the bread, but a lot of people dipped the bread into the olive oil. Oh, I and, got you. Uh, yes. Yeah, and then partook in... Uh, and uh, were illegally drugged in in that sense. So, so it was, uh, maybe it wasn't olive oil. Maybe it was hash oil. <laughs> That's correct. There you go. All right, another Perfect. rousing edition, folks. Of what kind of brand new fool are you? And that, of course, leads us into the second dance dance sensation sweep of the nation. Easy for me to say. Last time I ran a time from that damn place. Something we also affectionately call what my name. And oh, by the way, we got five names tonight. So let's get it rocking and rolling. All right, Mr. Irrelevant was drafted today, number 262, Brock Purdy from Iowa State. He's the last player drafted. Mr. Irrelevant was instituted in 1976 by me. I played football at USC and in the NFL, and this has been a tradition, Mr. Irrelevant, since 1976 because I started it. What my name? Bobo. Uh, Billy Crystal. Nice. <laughs> Close. No cigar. All right. I started the tradition of 
Mr. Irrelevant, back in 1976. Brian Finley, what my name? Manute Bull. Uh, I like that. I like that. Matter of fact, UCLA, one year after their football, they played the Manute Bull, didn't they, one year? <laughs> Good night, folks. All right. Let's see if uh, Eric can get it. I instituted 1976, the first ever Mr. Irrelevant. It's been a tradition ever since. Eric Kemp, what my name? Uh, I don't know. We'll just say Trevor Bauer. He's pretty irrelevant. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He's actually quite relevant for all the wrong reasons. All right. I am sorry. By the way, I threw that out there because at the end of the draft today, the award was actually given by... uh, Now, now this gentleman's deceased, but his wife's still alive. And his daughter, his name was Paul Salata. Paul Salata created quite a tradition. All right. Moving along. The NFL Combine usually means the Wonderlick test. I am the only player, player in the history of the NFL to score a perfect 50 on the under on the Wonderlick test. What my name, Bobo? Hmm. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Close. All right, I'm the only player to score a 50 perfect score on the Wonderlick test. Uh, Brian Finley, what my name? Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know what? I think he, he. I don't think he did, but he came very close. Yeah, That's a damn good guess. All right. I'm the only player to score. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a clue. He's from Orange County. He played football at Harvard, played for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm the only player to score a perfect 50 on the Wonderlick test. What my name? Eric Kemp. Oh, so it's not my Utah U, Alex Smith. Um, geez. Uh, what's that guy's name? Ken, whatever. Uh, he was a Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. I can't remember. Oh, you're thinking of Ken... Uh, Ken Jennings? Uh, well, that nicely done from Jeopardy. You guys are on fire tonight. What, it's Ken actually Jennings? a gentleman who actually went to Villa Park High School, our crosstown rival in Orange, California. Same high school as Kevin Costner. He graduated two years before Kevin Costner. It's Pat McAnally. Pat McAnally of Harvard University who also went on to invent NFL figurines. I've actually met Pat. He's a really funny, great guy. Um, Knocking around in Newport Beach somewhere. Okay, let's see if we can pick up the pace here. As you know, in the seventh inning, they sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at all Major League Baseball games. I am the first guy to ever do this over a microphone. Bobo, what my name? Bobo. (laughs) <laughs> Did you do it? I've I mean, done a lot of things for a first time on a microphone. <laughs> Depends on you saying. Well, you know what? I, I I don't know if the judges can allow it, but we're going to take it under advisement. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm the first ever announcer to sing uh, uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game over the uh, PA system. Brian Finley, what my name? Carl Lewis. Carl, you know what? He sang the uh, <laughs> national anthem. Remember? Oh, oh. He nailed Try it. His, Yes, yes. All right. No, I'm sorry. All right. You guys usually nail these, but, you know, maybe a little tougher tonight. All right. I'm the first ever uh, individual at a Major League Baseball game to sing what take me out to the ball game uh, over over the PA. Eric Kemp, what my name? Uh, let's, let's go with Harry Carey. Nicely. Everybody, let me hear you. Nicely done. Do we have the uh, the uh, congratulatory music? Okay, maybe we can find that. All right, all right. Here we go. Let's let's flip to the let's flip to basketball. Two final questions: basketball. 
On this day in 2009, during the NBA playoffs, I hit nine threes, scored 51 points in Game 6 versus Chicago Bulls, and we went on to win Game 7. Bobo, what my name? Oh, wait. Oh, God. I think I actually know this one. Was it Derrick Rose? Ooh. Close. Because no, they beat he, Chicago. They oh, beat, God. They beat Chicago. It's all right. It's okay, all right. They went to yeah. game seven. Believe it or not, they actually lost in overtime to Chicago, but came back and went in game seven. Okay. This day, 2009, NBA playoffs. They had 9-3. scored 51 points in a game versus the Chicago Bulls. We went on to beat the Bulls in seven. Brian Finley, what my name? Eric Piekowski. You know, he might have, but if he did, I was not aware of it. I am sorry. All right. Let's see if... Uh, Eric can go two for two. This day, 2009, NBA playoffs. I hit nine threes, scored 51 points in game six versus Chicago Bulls. We went on to win game seven. Eric Kemp, what my name? I don't know. Earl Boykins. I loved Earl Boykins in Eastern okay, Michigan. On. Okay, give Five. me the team. Give me the team. In Boston there. Celtics. Ray Allen? Oh, Ray Allen. Ray Allen, oh, yeah! Dun, dun, dun. Okay, one more. All right. On this day in 1988, during the playoffs, I became the first ever NBA player to score 50 points in back-to-back NBA playoff games. Bobo, what my name? Magic Johnson. Close, but no cigar. This day, 1988, I became, in the NBA playoffs, the first ever player to score 50 points in consecutive games. Brian Finley, what my name? Was it the guy who brought a firearm into the locker room, Gilbert Arenas? <laughs> oh, God, look at that. Remember they had that square off? Lou, wow. He, he, wow. I know he had at least one 50-point game. But not. But he, he didn't have back. He didn't have back-to-back. No, 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 yeah. And, and uh, not yeah, he, 88. <laughs> wasn't, that's correct. That's correct. Okay. On this day, 1988, I became the first player in NBA history to score 50 points in back-to-back playoff games. Eric Kemp, what my name? Uh, Kevin McHale. Man, okay. He didn't. Pl- this player didn't play for Boston. That was the last question. But it's all good. It's all good. I'm proud of you guys. You fought the good fight. But you're going to be so pissed off when I tell you. Okay, give me Spike. the team. Hold on. Give me the team. Chicago Bulls. It wasn't Jordan. Nope. Okay, I don't know it. Anybody else? Judd Buchler or Butchler? Oh, I love that guy out of Arizona, Judd Bushler. He had a cup of coffee to sweet roll with the Pistons. I don't think he scored 50 in his career. Uh, you want to give it one more shot, Eric? Uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm okay. All right. It actually was Michael Jordan. Oh, uh, it was? In 88? In 88. Back-to-back games where he scored 50 points. God, I, I didn't think he started getting good to the 90s. Oh no no he was he was good right away just yeah, the team around him wasn't that good. I'm just yeah no I remember God back in the day I go to Clipper games at the sports arena when they were drawing four thousand Jordan was worth the price of admission and man oh man oh man oh man I, I with I all the respect sports arena remember that man I loved going there now no, it's a soccer stadium is that what they do there it's the LAFC it's right, that's where they play it's right adjacent to the Coliseum and uh, yeah the Clippers played their home games there for years. And uh, anyway, I digress. All right, coming up. You know, uh, actually, the NFL draft uh, in the first round, 
whether you were picking number one or later in the round, I'm going to share some names with you for, for, for some great players that actually, this, this was an article that came out recently, and what it basically did was it gave the greatest round one NFL picks, like who was the greatest ever at number one, who was the greatest ever, all the way down to 24. And some of the names might surprise you. You're going to say, man, that guy was drafted that low. So, see, Hope Springs Eternal. So, for the folks making fun of the Cowboys drafting Tyler Smith when they did, he might end up being a Hall of Famer. That's coming up. Keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And uh, the draft every year has a context in that it'll ever forever be compared to previous drafts and previous years. And I found this particular subject to my liking in the sense that when every team drafts a player in the first round, Hope Springs Eternal, but as I talked about a couple of shows ago, 50% of the guys drafted in the first round are out of the league within five years. So the best laid plans of men and mice. But take heart, because you never know. 
And what if I told you that, okay, let's, let me do it this way. So, for instance, randomly, the Chargers drafted 17th, and they drafted an offensive lineman out of Boston College named Zion Johnson, right? He's a very good lineman. He's a plug-and-play guard. They need to protect Justin Herbert, as you will know, and need offensive linemen. Will he be in the Hall of Fame someday? I don't know. But you know who the greatest player ever picked that was drafted 17th overall? You may have heard of him, boys and girls, back in 1990, a guy by the name of Emmett Smith out of Florida. He wasn't drafted till 17th. Knowing what we know now, that feels weird. What's he done? Pro Football Hall of Fame. He was the MVP one year, eight-time Pro Bowler, all-time NFL leading rusher, three-time Super Bowl winner. What's interesting is heading into draft day, Smith was not going to be drafted by the Cowboys. The Cowboys wanted to draft a linebacker by the name of James Francis. They even had a deal in place for the Raiders to move up to the 11th spot. But right before the draft, the deal fell apart. Then the Cowboys agreed with the Chiefs on a trade to move up to 11, but that was contingent on Francis' availability, who was chosen by the Bengals. Imagine that. James Francis instead of Emmett Smith. Now, you know what Emmett Smith has done as an NFL stud, right? And, and had a great life, by the way. He was out here for the draft and made one of the presentations. This this is crazy. One of the scouting reports said Smith was, quote, considered small and slow. Unlike Blair Thomas out of Penn State, who was taken by the Jets with the second pick. But Jimmy Johnson, give Jimmy Johnson credit, and their scouts, a guy by the name of Walt Yawarski, loved Emmett Smith. They had him rated the fourth best player in the draft. Long and short of it is, Emmett was drafted 17th. Will Zion Johnson be a Hall of Famer? I don't know, but Emmett Smith wasn't. How about number 16? All right, the Washington Commanders. They drafted a wide receiver named Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Stud, I think. He, uh, he You throw the ball within range, he's going to catch it. Plus, he's fast. Guess who was drafted 16th overall back in 1985? A guy by the name of Jerry Rice. Oh, nothing. Pro Football Hall of Fame, 10-time All-Pro, all-time receiving yards leader, three-time Super Bowl winner. I'm sorry, Jerry Rice is the greatest wide receiver in history. He wasn't even considered the greatest wide receiver in the draft class. Remember, the Jets chose Al Toon out of Wisconsin ahead of him, and the Bengals chose Eddie Brown out of Miami. Even Bill Walsh supposedly would have taken Brown ahead of Rice had Brown been available. What's crazy is Rice ran a 4.75 40-yard dash at the Combine. And the biggest knock, and I'll never forget this, he played at Mississippi Valley State. He had a quarterback by the name of Willie Totten. They were in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And because it was a smaller school, they believed he played at a lower level of competition. And I will tell you, Jerry Rice proved him wrong. Love the guy. I remember... I, I've always thought this. If you can play, you can play. I don't care where you came from. I, saw, I talked about this three hours ago. All the quarterbacks drafted in the third, fourth round. It doesn't matter what round you were drafted. You can either play or not play in this league. Jerry Rice, incredible, at number 16. Let's jump down to 14. I want to get names he really recognized. Now, Baltimore drafted Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Now, his stock fell. He would have been a top 10 pick, but he got hurt in the USC game, didn't play the rest of the year. And, oh, by the way, he ran like a 4-6-40 in the combine. Now, I believe he's going to get on the field. He's a ball hawk. He's smart. And I'm not, you know, let's just put it this way. That culture in Baltimore with the way they play defense and their commitment, I feel Kyle Hamilton will thrive. Who's the best ever 14 overall player picked? 
Jim Kelly, quarterback, 1983. We know he went to the Houston Gamblers first, but then he went to the Bills. Pro Football Hall of Fame, five-time Pro Bowler, went to the Super Bowl four straight years, which I still think is a great accomplishment. Now, Kelly told the Bills not to draft him because he didn't want to play up there. He didn't want to play in cold weather. And the, the long and the short of it is Kelly was chosen ahead of Tony Easton, who went to New England one pick later. He was also chosen ahead of Dan Marino, believe it or not. The Bills wanted Kelly. That worked out. We're going to continue with this because there's some names that are going to knock you over. So I'll tell you the the round they were drafted and who their corresponding counterpart was from this year because you never know. As I mentioned earlier, other than 90, 1984 and 1992, every year since 1936, the NFL has produced, the NFL draft has produced at least one Hall of Famer. So I got some interesting names for you on the list to get to that I think you might get a kick out of. But first... Let's go to the man. Yes, he is very thoughtful. As I said earlier, he got a gift for me when he found out I was class valedictorian on my summer school remedial class when I repeated the eighth grade. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Did you use that baseball bat, Bernie? I gave that to you. I know that that was the gift. I'm sure you... Well, no, you actually you gave me a bat, and the first time I went to play with it, it flew away. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is definitely what I meant with, with the bat, Mr. Baseball. But with that said, let's start with baseball. And we touch on some of the games from last night. The Tigers diminished the Dodgers 5-1. to one. And speaking of Hall of Famers, you would could argue that Clayton Kershaw will be one one day, the oh, Dodgers yeah. starting pitcher. Yep. So yesterday he became the franchise is all-time leader in strikeouts, and then as soon as he left the ball game and L.A. put in a new pitcher, then things went the wrong way. Evan Phillips in relief, giving up three earned runs in two-thirds of an inning, and his night was over. The Rockies decked the Reds 4-3, to three, and Cincinnati might not win a game the rest of the season. The Phillies overcome the Mets 4-1. to one. Kyle Schwarber hits that big two-run homer in the seventh inning. The Giants tamed the Nationals 9-3 in San Francisco, 14-7 on the season. Meantime, the Yankees continue their winning ways. And the pitch grounded up the middle. Kind of Falefa feels. Throws to first. In time. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Oh, the iconic Yankee Radio Network tones there in John Sterling. John Sterling sounds like he's aged a little. Brian, you hear that in his voice? Really? I I just I don't. I I just hear an ageless voice. All right, all right. Anyway, the the win for the Yankees eight straight, and they beat the Royals three to zip. The Marlins take their seventh straight by stiffing the Mariners three to one. The Brewers. Overcome the Cubs 9-1. to The Pirates bash the Padres 7-6 in 10 innings. And then later today, two game ones in the NBA second round of the postseason. The Bucks and Celtics tip off at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then the Grizzlies and Warriors get it on. And that will be at 3.30 Eastern. Yeah, Bernie, I think when you think of infamous calls and trademark phrases in that business that we live in here in sports media, John Sterling and the way he's able to tag the end of a Yankee win, it, it's sort of like a goosebump situation, even though I'm not a Yankee fan and far from it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, and I met John Sterling once. He's a real gentleman. Michael Kay, too. Uh, back in 2003-ish, I want to say, you may recall an A-bomb from A-Rod. He was told to stop saying that because at that time we were immersed 
in the Gulf War with Saddam Hussein. There's a little bit of trivia for you. All right, Brian, anything else? That is it, Bernie. By the way, I'm glad to know that my gift to you, the bat, went to good use. Yeah, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful on your part. All right, I want to continue with this because, again, the NFL draft, Hope Springs Eternal, and maybe you didn't get the player you want at the slot you thought you might. And as the draft goes on, there's a perception that perhaps the talent starts to diminish. But what if I told you, okay, let me go down, down. I just talked about Jim Kelly, Jerry Rice, and Emmett Smith. How about number 13? All right. Well, 13 overall this year, Philadelphia grabbed Jordan Davis, a stud defensive tackle out of Georgia, big monster, incredible player, freak of nature. He will fit nicely into that defense along with uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. The long and the short of it is, Philly had a nice draft. Well, what if I told you there was another beast drafted at number 13 overall just eight years ago? The all-time best at 13 overall. How can it not be Aaron Donald? Three-time Defensive Player of the Year, seven-time first-team All-Pro, was an absolute beast in the Super Bowl, particularly in the fourth quarter. What did they say? What did they say at the scouting combine? Not enough height, not enough weight, short arms. Yeah. Yeah, tell that to Donald now. Uh, nicely done. That's why uh, these uh, scouting reports sometimes, well, they're not exactly scientific. It's not exact art. It's not an exact science. All I know is you never know. How about number 12 overall? Well, the Lions, I thought, did a great job. They moved up. They had to pay a pretty penny to grab Jameson Williams, but he's an elite weapon. It was a position of weakness for the Lions. Now it's a position of strength. Williams is an electrifying player. He will instantly upgrade that offense with the Lions, I believe. Will he be a Hall of Famer? I don't know. But who's the all-time greatest player picked at number 12 overall? Guy I bet you heard of again. Guy by the name of Warren Sapp. 1995, Tampa Bay, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Defensive Player of the Year one year, seven-time Pro Bowler, won a Super Bowl. Everybody knew Sapp had the talent, and he could have been chosen in the top three. Most teams were a little bit leery of him because – they said he was difficult to coach. I don't look. See again. This is amazing to me now that we have the chance to look back in retrospect. How about number eleven overall? The Saints picked Chris Olave, a great wide receiver out of Ohio State. Back to back wide receivers were drafted: Garrett Wilson, and then uh, at ten to the Jets, and Olave eleven to the Saints. This is a guy who is going to be a playmaker. I think he'll step on the field week one and make plays week one. But similarly, who's the greatest player to be drafted number 11 overall? J.J. Watt, 11 years ago, defensive lineman, obviously with the Texans, three-time defensive player of the year, five-time All-Pro, two-time NFL sacks leader. Remember back then, the Texans already had Mario Williams. He was the former number one pick to rush the passer. But when J.J. Watt was announced, the Texans booed him. The Texans fans booed him, and the fans criticized the decision by their general manager at the time, a guy by the name of Rick Smith. Why would you draft a defensive lineman with questionable edge speed? Now, Watt had played at Wisconsin. He was viewed as a player who should be taken no higher than late first round. Some thought Alden Smith and Robert Quinn and even Quan Bowers were better than Watt. But historically, again, proven wrong, J.J. Watt, uh, I believe he'll be in the Hall of Fame. You might like this one. The number 10 pick, Garrett Wilson, I just mentioned, drafted by the Jets. All right, now the Jets tried their ass off to get Debo Samuel from the 49ers, but they could not pull it off. So they 
drafted Garrett Wilson, and they'll part. They'll uh, pair him uh, with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. So the, the Jets, le- you know, legitimately have some talent at the wide receiver position, and uh, he's a playmaker. They got three playmakers now, and that can only help Zach Wilson. Well, speaking of playmakers, who's the best ever player to be drafted tenth overall? Patrick Mahomes was drafted 10th overall out of Texas Tech back in 2017. Again, he's already been an MVP, a four-time Pro Bowler. He's won the, he's won a Super Bowl and been to two Super Bowls. And again, the, what did the talent evaluators say? They thought he was maybe the third best quarterback in the class behind Deshaun Watson and, wait for it, Mitchell Trubisky. The consensus among NFL scouts was they should not be taken until Early in the second round, maybe late in the first round, but Chiefs general manager Brett Veach and give it up to Andy Reid. They saw it differently. They actually traded two first-round picks in the third to move up 17 spots, and they selected Patrick Mahomes two uh, two ahead of Deshaun Watson. Yes, I don't think you're going to get much argument. The greatest player to ever be drafted 10th overall, I got to believe, is uh, is Patrick Mahomes. Now, let's jump all the way up to number six because this is a very recognizable name. And first of all, the Carolina Panthers, number six this year, they drafted an offensive lineman out of North Carolina State named Akeen Akwandu. Now, he's not a household name. And the Panthers, uh, they need help at left tackle. I think he steps right in and starts. Uh, Obviously, the Panthers have other issues at quarterback. But now they've got someone to protect their quarterback. This is a guy who's going to step in, I think, start for five to ten years and put their quarterback at ease. Speaking of a guy, though, who was drafted number six overall, I believe not only the greatest pick at number six overall, I believe I believe the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. In the era he played, Lyman weighed 240. He was 6'2", 232. Never missed a game in nine years. Averaged... 1,000 yards every year, and that's when the NFL played 12 games a year. Not only that, he was an unbelievable lacrosse player out of Syracuse. I'm talking, of course, about Jim Brown. Pro Football Hall of Fame, three-time most valuable player, eight-time first-team All-Pro, did win one championship with the Cleveland Browns before the Super Bowl was instituted, and the first game was played in January of 67. Now, it seems inconceivable that five players were drafted ahead of Brown, but scouts weren't too uh, sharp back those days. Uh, they did the same thing to Brown. They did to Warren Moon, and shame on you. And Brown is, is still knocking around. Uh, for my money, the greatest football player to ever suit up, period. End of story. Uh, as I said, he played in an era when Lyman weighed 240, weighed 232, never missed a game. And the truth of the matter is Brown from Syracuse uh, was the second pick after the Packers chose Paul Hornung. But... Um, that let me let me okay let me back up the rams wanted jim brown their coach sid gilman said i'm taking brown he got overruled he would have been picked second overall the packers drafted first they drafted paul horning that year but team ownership overruled him and the long and the short of it is uh, the rams ended up drafting john arnett who had a pretty good career but he ain't no jim brown so there you have it uh too many to get to to really do this justice but the long and the short of it is that in the draft, yes, it's an inexact science and an inexact art, and we focus all, all too often on who the busts are because they're so prominent and prevalent. But you will find a diamond in the rough, and sometimes in strange places you will find a player that turns out to be a Hall of Famer. Coming up, 
We wrap up the show. I want to tell you why the sports books were so upset here in Las Vegas and why some sports bettors were upset as well, having to do with betting on NFL draft drops. And by the way, while we're at it, college football ain't that far away. A couple of sharp people I know have three hot takes involving three very prominent schools. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night. That'd be Eric Kemp, my man Bobo, and Brian Fenley on the updates. Thanks to the great teamwork, cohesion could not provide this Radio entertainment to a grateful nation without all your help. Turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Before I get to some draft stuff and uh, why the sports books were a little upset and why some even betters were a little upset. And by the way, how do we do against Nashville? We meaning Vegas. I'm not speaking French. So us, I live here. I call us we. I'll get to that. But by the way, I, I, there's some sharp guys I know that talk college football and three hot takes heading into the season, which take May 1st, dudes, you're going to be playing a game in August. That's three months away. Clemson, they believe Clemson will miss. After being a fixture in the college football playoff, they believe Clemson will miss the college football playoff again for the second year in a row. Why? Well, they're not real high on quarterback DJ Ugalalele. He looked lost many times last season throwing the ball. He threw just nine touchdowns and had 10 picks. And from what I understand, he wasn't much better this spring. How about LSU and their lovable coach, Brian, F- I almost said Brian Finley. They might be better off Brian Finley. Brian Kelly, who all of a sudden adopted a Southern accent when he got down to Rage and Cajun area. What do my moles think? That LSU will not have a winning record. Brian Kelly is only 14-14 and 14 in his career against top 25 ranked teams. And you already had a sneak preview of how his team's fair against Southern opposition. Clemson and Alabama outscored Kelly's Irish 103-31 to in their contest. Three postseason games. One was a BCS National Championship game and two college football semifinals. They're just talking about this year, though. I, I got a feeling Kelly might get it going, but they think he's not going to have a winning record this year. Finally, they believe Texas A&M will become the class of the SEC and actually beat Alabama again. Remember, you're going to be hearing about it coming into the game. Just like Johnny Football did back in 2012, there'll be plenty of talk about how A&M upset the number one tie last year in College Station. But the reality is Texas A&M and the Aggies and their orchestrated NIL program, they've been building legitimate momentum the last few years, and they are coming off what? 24-7 sports calls the greatest recruiting class in modern history. Yes, they had, They did. They got eight five-star players and 19 three-star players. They, Texas A&M will be loaded. But, man, if they, if, they, if they beat Alabama in Alabama for a second year in a row, that will be a story. My moles think they're going to. Okay, the draft is done, 48 whirlwind hours, 5 p.m., Thursday, Pacific, ended about 4 o'clock tonight, or last night, after uh, Brock Purdy out of Iowa State was drafted 262 overall. Mr. Irrelevant, the ninth quarterback in the draft. 
by the way, for the first time since 2014, a running back was not selected in the first round. That was one of the props you could have had, over five and a half wide receivers. First round, yeah, you had that in the top 18. I had that. Would cave on Thibodeau be drafted in top five? Yes, he was. Tyler Smith, an offensive tackle out of Tulsa, would he be drafted in the first round? These are many of the props that hit. The sports books hate booking props. It's been a loser for them since 2017 when the Nevada Gaming Control Board approved wagering uh, for the NFL draft. And why? Listen, this is an information event. It's not decided on the field. It's not a game of chance. And this is one of those areas also where the pros, they're willing to bet $10 to win a dollar. You will never find that except for this event because in many of those cases, they consider the mathematical value to have been solid even if you were betting $25 to win a dollar. I'll give you an example. Tra uh, Trayvon Walker was drafted number one overall. Right out of the gate, that, that hurt the books. He opened up at 40-1 to 1 a few weeks ago to be drafted number one. There was so much heavy action that by the time the draft rolled around, he was minus 300 at the Westgate Sportsbook. That was a killer for the books. Then... Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, the previous odds-on favorite to go number one. He was drafted number two by the Lions. He closed at minus 420 to go over his draft position of one and a half, which had opened at 250. So a ton of action came in there. The books also took a major hit when LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. was drafted with the number three pick overall by the Houston Texans. There was a prop. At one time, it was as high as 100 to 1 would Derek Stingley be the number three player picked, and he was. Or he was even as high as 100 to 1 to be the first cornerback picked. He was the first cornerback picked, and he was number three overall. Now, limits are reduced, but there were multiple $500 bets on all of these props. And they said those three put us in the red right there. The long and the short of it is, as a bookmaker, it's their least important event to bet. They're going to continue to do it, but they're going to hold their nose. By the way, they took the bets off the board at 5 o'clock the day before, and that really pissed off a lot of bettors too, when, especially when you consider DraftKings was allowing people to bet live. But that will do it for this week's edition of Fox Sports Radio. Keep it uh, locked right here. Up next, Brian No and Andy Furman. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.